you can turn to Matthew 14. We're going to be looking at Matthew 14 this morning as we continue our series on the book of Matthew. We're going to, we're going to go through uh, Matthew for the rest of this month, and then we're going to take a break in the summer for something a little lighter, more cheery. We're going to go through the book of Judges in the book of summer for a couple months. And, uh, but it, it'll, it'll be good as we go through Judges. Um, I mean, the theme of, one of the themes of Judges is, is a look at, at the world, at life, um, when there is no king. Um, and, uh, and Matthew, as much as anything else, is about the fact that the king has come. And, uh, and so we'll return to Matthew in the, in the fall and finish up the rest of Matthew this fall. So uh, we looked last week about, at, the, at the passage about John the Baptist when he was um, murdered. He was beheaded by Herod. And Jesus has just heard this news from John's disciples and he is hurting, he's grieving at this news. And for a number of reasons, he wants to be alone. He wants to go to a desolate place and be by himself. And so he gets in a boat and tries to go, and that's the passage we're going to look at today. He's, he's followed by, you know, like 15,000 of his closest friends. Oh, well. So um, that's what we're looking at this morning. Listen to God's word as I read from Matthew 14, verses 13 to 21. Now when Jesus heard this, This is the news about John. He withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. Let's pray. Father, we pray that as we look at this passage, as we look at your word that was written so many years ago, that your spirit would be present and working now, today, in our hearts, that you would speak to us, that we would listen And that we would be changed, because that's what we need. We need change, Father. We need need change. We need to see you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I get a fig, please? That's all I want. I just want a fig. I know you're handing out bread and fish. I just want a fig. That's all my kid will eat. He only eats figs. I mean, it's kind of funny. You can probably imagine somebody saying something like that. Of course, they weren't saying that back then. Food was scarce as uh, the disciples handed out the bread and the fish. And since food was scarce, I'm sure people didn't complain about what they got. But I'm sure you can picture that scenario happening now here in America, right? You don't have any chicken nuggets? My kid only eats chicken nuggets. Come on. You can see people complaining as Jesus is miraculously, you know, 
multiplying this food and the disciples are handing it out. I'm, even if, even if, uh, you know, if, if we're not in today's world and people aren't complaining about figs or nuggets not getting that for their kids, um, you can imagine in a crowd of, it says 5,000 men, it's probably like with, with women and children, it's more like 15,000, maybe over, over 15,000, maybe 20,000 people. That's a lot of people. And so you can imagine that in a crowd that large, there had to be some difficult people there, right? Some people that were hard to serve. Some people that maybe were complaining that they weren't getting their food fast enough. Maybe some people that were complaining that maybe they, maybe they got overlooked. They didn't get seen and they didn't get their bread. Maybe somebody that was like looking at somebody else and they thought, their bread is way bigger than my bread, you know? Um, there were definitely some difficult people there. I know there were some difficult people there. And so for, for a number of reasons, there were probably, it was probably hard for the disciples to serve that crowd of people. My point is this. It's, it's never just completely smooth sailing. It's never easy to serve other people. It's never easy. It's, it's never like a complete and total joy to serve other people. And maybe, maybe you're one of those people who's like, oh yeah, it is. I, I love to serve people. And there are, you know, very small, small, tiny handful of people that really love to serve, no matter how hard it is. But I think for a lot of us, it's hard to serve others. It's hard to serve others, especially, I, I've, and I've said this before, I think, um, somebody said this once that made a big impression on me. You know, you know, you know how much of a heart of a servant you have when, um, by the way that you respond, when people treat you like a servant, you know what kind of a heart for service you have when people treat you like a servant? How do you respond? You know, when people don't thank you, when people take you for granted, when people just expect you to do the things you're doing for them, when people complain, you know? How much of a heart for serving do you have then? Serving is hard. It's hard to serve others. It's hard to serve others for a number of reasons. And yet, if we claim to be followers of Jesus if we claim to want to know Jesus and be like Jesus, um, I think that Jesus would say one of the core aspects to who you are and who you should be is that you're a servant. That you look for opportunities to serve. Every opportunity you get, whether it's with the people that are closest to you, the people that you live with, that you're looking for ways you can serve them, whether it's people that you're, that you're strangers to, you, you don't know them, you're looking for ways you can serve them. You're looking for opportunities to serve others. Jesus said what? In Mark, Mark 10, he said, I came not to be served, but to serve. I came to serve. That's the point. Jesus came to serve, even to the point of giving his life. I came, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And so if we want to follow Jesus, if we want to grow to be more like Jesus, then being a servant is what we should aspire to be. Um, as we look at this passage, in, in your Bible, if you have a Bible, it often says that the title says something like, Jesus feeds the 5,000. But you know, another alternate title could be, the disciples serve the 5,000. Because that's, I think, a, a big part of what's going on here. Jesus is teaching the disciples something about service, about serving other people. Just by, as we look at Jesus, and as we look at how Jesus interacts with his disciples, and, and one of the things, are, are three things I think that we see here. We see, Three ways of we, that the disciples maybe were limiting themselves in serving others and, and ways that we, we similarly limit ourselves in the way that we serve people. 
when we have opportunities to serve them. And that's what I want to look at this morning. The first limit that we put on ourselves, um, that we struggle with as we attempt to serve people, is, is we limit ourselves by our preoccupation with ourselves. We are so preoccupied with ourselves that it makes us hard to see other people. And when I look at this passage, one of the first things that comes out to me is I, as I'm looking at Jesus, is I see a man who is radically other-centered. Radically other-centered. Look at him. I said before, what, he's, this passage is, is coming right after he hears the news about John the Baptist. And so he is, that's his cousin. He's a family member. He is also the man who is proclaiming the coming of Jesus. His ministry is linked to John's. And so when he hears the, about John's death, he has to be hurting. He has to be sad. He has to be grieving. That's one of the reasons he wants to be alone, I think, is, is because he just needs to be alone because he's hurting. He needs to process his own grief as he loses his cousin John. But, but on top of that, when, when he hears about John's death, Remember last week I talked about how Jesus and John were on the same team. John was preparing the way for Jesus. And so if this is how Jesus was killed, he's beheaded and his head is put on a, on a plate. It has to make Jesus start thinking immediately more, you know, about his own death. He knows that he's going to die. And it maybe makes him start thinking about that more, you know. Is this the right timing? I'm not sure. But it's also just the, the, the pain and the suffering that he's going to have to go through. He, he wants to be alone. He wants to be alone. And it says it, right? He, uh, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. And at this moment when he wants desperately to be alone, he is greeted by a crowd of 15,000 plus people. <laughs> if that's me, I'm thinking only about myself. And what I want, I'm, I'm, you know, resenting these people. I'm annoyed. I'm frustrated. I, as I, as I said before, I'm an expert at feeling sorry for myself. You know, I'm feeling sorry for myself. I just want a little time alone. Now I got to deal with these people. How does Jesus respond? It says, Jesus saw them and he had compassion on them. And he healed their sick. In the midst of his pain in the midst of, of a moment when every single one of us would be thinking primarily about ourselves, we'd be preoccupied with our own wants and needs, Jesus is thinking of them. And he moves immediately to serve them and to love them, to heal them, right? That's amazing. That is amazing how he does that, how he's so other-centered. Jesus is not preoccupied with himself, and that's what enables him to see the people and to love them and to serve them. And that's not the truth. That's not the case with us. We are often so preoccupied with ourselves, with, with what I want in a situation, with my needs in a situation. Have you ever had this, this situation happen to you? You know, when you've, you've had a really long day, you know, maybe you've been working all day. You just want to come home and relax. You want to sit in your favorite chair, your favorite spot on the couch, you want to just like be alone and just veg out, right? And then immediately you're confronted with somebody else in the family who needs you. There, there's a time, times when I, you know, have a long day and I lay down in bed and I'm like, ah. And before I'm even finished like exhaling, I hear a child calling out my name from down the hall, right? And how do I respond? I go, I get up. Yes, I get up when I'm, you know, done ignoring them. I get up. And I go in there, and I'm like, 
what? In the most compassionate, you know, tone possible. What? What do you need? You know, I'm so preoccupied with what I want. Just a few more, you know, minutes of sleep, not to have to get out of bed. I'm preoccupied with myself, and it, and it prohibits me, it keeps me from actually seeing the need of that little person or those other people, right? It, it keeps me from entering into their need and their pain. It keeps me from having compassion and feeling for them. Um, we're so preoccupied with ourselves that it, it keeps us from seeing the needs of the people around us in order to be able to serve them well. And, and I think... Maybe recognizing that helps us a little bit to maybe be more sensitive and more compassionate. Um, but ultimately, I think maybe it's just enough that we recognize that about ourselves. <laughs> that we are so self-centered and preoccupied with ourselves that, that it, it, it's a big obstacle. It's a, it's a big problem for us to, to actually see the needs of the people around us. Okay, That's, that's one way we limit ourselves. Um, secondly, secondly, we limit ourselves by our lack of vision our lack of vision for how we can serve others. In verse 15, the disciples go to Jesus and they suggest that they send the crowds away so that they can go buy food for themselves. Okay, so they've been, they've been watching Jesus. I'm sure they've been maybe involved. They've been, you know, with Jesus. I don't know if they've been doing some crowd control or what, but they've been, they've been entertaining these people all day in a sense. But now, you know, they recognize, okay, now our responsibility for them has come to an end. They need to go home and take responsibility for themselves. They need to feed themselves. We don't have the, you know, we don't have what they need here. You know, Jesus, go ahead and send them away. I remember um, one of the things, for whatever reason, this stuck into my mind about my grandfather. Um, one of the things that he used to say when we were, we would be over his house, and I know that they would often entertain people. He was a professor, and they would often have students in their home and stuff. And, and it, when it was getting late, he would often then turn to my grandma and he would say, honey, let's go to bed so these poor people can go home. <laughs> you know, he would, often, he would often say that. That would be his subtle cue. <laughs> that it's time for everybody to leave. <laughs> and he used to say that a lot. I, I, that made me laugh. Um, but, you know, that's, that's kind of like what the disciples are like. Jesus, let's, you know, let's, let's retire. Let's go to bed so these poor people can go home. It's time for them to go. It's time for them to go. You've done a lot, Jesus. We've done a lot. It's time for them to take responsibility for themselves and to go feed themselves. You know, and then, you know, Jesus says, he's like, they don't need to go. You feed them. You feed them. That wasn't, you know, in all of the lists of possible things that they could do next with this group of people, that was nowhere near on the list of options, Right? That wasn't even something they, they would even consider. They had no idea in their mind that this could be a possible alternative, that they would feed them. This was not even one of the options. And this is the thing. The, the, the only thing, that they could only see this, you know, the possibility of them going or maybe them just kind of being uncomfortable and just complaining and sitting around for longer. But actually them feeding them, this was not an option. They didn't have eyes to see this as an option. I, mean, I, can, I can understand that. I mean, I wouldn't be thinking in my wildest dreams of trying to feed these 15,000 plus crowd of people. I mean, just thinking about like inviting everybody here over to my house to feed you right after church. I mean, that overwhelms me. 
I can't imagine thinking about 15,000 people trying to feed everybody. It was just not even an option, not even something they were thinking about. And yet Jesus says, no, this is what I want you to do. And, and what I want to suggest here is that what this passage, passage suggests is that when we think about serving other people, there may be legitimate things that Jesus wants you to do that you're not even thinking about as an option, that you can't even imagine, that you can't even fathom. You know, we all kind of tend to think, as we think about serving, we tend to just think um, you know, of, of the things that we want to do, the things that we feel comfortable doing, the things that we're used to doing. We, we need to consider the fact that Jesus might have, you know, option E, and you only thought it went up to D, that he might have something that he wants you to do that, that you would have never even thought about in your wildest dreams. You, hadn't had, you haven't had eyes to see it. Maybe it's a, a, he wants you to, to kind of go to a new level of hospitality, of, of inviting people into your home, maybe people that you don't know that well, to build relationships with them. You know, if you're, if you're a student here, if you're in middle school or high school, maybe it's actually looking for another kid who doesn't seem to have many friends. Another kid that other kids think isn't very cool or normal and actually going over and talking to them and actually trying to be friends with them. Maybe it's as you sit around the lunch table in the cafeteria or wherever you have guys have lunch at school. Maybe it's actually talking about Jesus with those kids that you're friends with. You never even thought about doing that before. That sounds crazy. Um, maybe it's like doing something as outlandish as foster care or adoption. Never even thought about that. That just seems insane. You know, maybe it's volunteering as a teacher in Sunday school or, or with uh, the youth ministry, investing in the lives of young people. Like, I have no idea what that would look like. I don't even, I can't even relate to to kids these days. You know, I tried to dab somebody up this morning and I totally got it wrong. Just to... Yeah. But we need, to, we need to ask Jesus to open our eyes. We need to ask the Spirit of God to open our eyes that we might consider what does he want us to do? Does he want me to do something that I have never even considered before? What are the opportunities? Maybe what are the opportunities that maybe present themselves that before I've just like, yeah, I, that's not even that's not me. Um, Jesus might be considering us to to widen our vision of what He calls us to do in the ways that we serve Him. So we limit ourselves by our lack of vision, and uh, lastly, we limit ourselves by our concern for resources. I mean, that's, that's how the disciples respond, right? When Jesus tells them to feed the, to feed the crowd, how the disciples respond. They immediately, they make reference to their resources. Jesus, we have five pieces of bread five, five bread, five loaves of bread, and two fish. That's all we got. 
that's, it's not even possible to feed this many people with that, that much resources. And, that, and that's, that's often where I go when I think about serving other people. When I'm presented with the opportunity to serve another person, I immediately look at what I have. And I immediately am like, uh, don't have enough. <laughs> I don't have enough. I don't have enough to help these people. And you know, my, what might be at the back of the disciples' mind too as they're thinking about this? You know, if, if we try to even give people some of this food, there's not going to be enough for us. I'm not going to have enough if I try to start serving people. So they might have been concerned with having enough for others as well as themselves. And I think I, I'm concerned about that all the time when I think about having to serve others and to love them and care for the needs of others. I'm often, often limited by just, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough emotional energy. You know? I'm not equipped with the, with the resources, the gifts, to be able to help these people this way. And Jesus says, you know, it's, it's, it's not about your resources or lack of them. I am the king of the universe. There is nothing that will stop me from giving you what you need. Jesus gives them and us the solution immediately. What does he say to them when they say, you know, we don't have enough? He says, bring them to me. Bring them to me. As you are faced with the opportunity to serve another person, the immediate reaction, yes, is to look at our resources and then to try to go to that person in our own energy and strength. Those are, those are the two pitfalls of, of just focusing on our resources, you realize? When, we, when I'm focused only on my resources, first of all, it prevents me from, from doing things that I don't have enough to do uh, to help others with. But it also, when I do help, I basically just rely on myself. I rely on my own resources. But Jesus says, bring it to me. The only way that you will successfully serve others, the only way that you will truly helpfully serve others is by coming to Jesus first and coming to him often. Because it's only through Jesus that we will have the resources to help others, to truly help them, to give them what they truly need. He knows better than we do what they really need. And we need to go to him first and often. But we also need to, be, we also need to count on Jesus to be enough for us. As, as, we, as we attempt to serve others, if we consistently, regularly go to Jesus first and often, then we can know that we will have enough. He will be enough for us. It's, it's really cool how, you know, you notice after they serve the people, after Jesus, you know, gives thanks, he, he breaks the bread and, he, and they hand it all out. It says in verse 20, and they all ate and were satisfied, right? The entire crowd ate and they were satisfied. And then they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. Why 12 baskets? Why are there 12? Well, in the Bible, 12 is a, is a significant number. It often refers to perfection. It often refers to the full number of God's people. You know, there's 12 tribes of Israel in the Old Testament. There's 12 disciples in the New Testament. That represents the full, the full number of God's people. And so one thing I think that might be communicated here, the fact that they picked up 12 baskets full, is that Jesus will provide for his people, all of them, all of them. It's also possible that, you know, Jesus had 12 disciples that were closest to him, and they picked up 12 because Jesus wanted to make sure they had enough too. But again, the, the, the the message is the same. Jesus will be enough for you. He will be enough for you. 
no matter what he is asking you to do, no matter how outlandish it is, no matter how hard it is, no matter how uncomfortable it is, he will be enough for you. But you have to go to him. You have to go to him first and often. It's like, um, have you guys ever done like a maze? Maybe it's a corn maze or maybe it's one of those like hedge mazes where you're trying to get to the middle of it and you know that, that you, know, you know you need to go there, but in order to get there, the smartest thing to do is probably not to take the path that goes that way. You have to take the path that goes that way, usually, in order to get there. And that's what Jesus is saying here. In order, when you see somebody who, who is in need, when you see an opportunity to serve somebody else, your instinct is to want to go directly to them. What can I do? What do I have to help them? But Jesus says, no, you need to go here. You need to go here. You need to come to the cross. You need to come to me. Because it's only by coming to me that you will have the resources to love well to give people what they need. We need to come to Jesus first and often. We need to come to Jesus first and often. We need to count on him and what he has done for us, what he has done for us on the cross. The fact that through his death and his resurrection that we have God's love. We are secure in his love. It's only by finding our identity and our security in in God's love for us through Jesus at the cross that we are able to love people that are hard to love. You realize that? When, When people treat you like a servant, the tempting thing for us to do is be like, I'm done. If they're not gonna notice what I'm doing, if they're not gonna be grateful, the only way that we're gonna continue to press on and continue loving and serving when we're not noticed, when we're not thanked, is if we are drawing our strength from Jesus, if we're secure and content in his love for us, and that is only found at the cross. We need to come to Jesus first and often so that we might have our eyes opened to see what he wants us to do that we're not even thinking about. We need to come to Jesus first And often, that we might find forgiveness for our preoccupation with ourselves. And know that we are loved, even though we're we're far from the servants we should be. We need to come to Jesus first and often. Jesus says, bring it to me. Bring your resources to me. Bring yourselves to me. I will be enough for you. Let's pray.